it's like all advertising, right? We just had the Super Bowl. And I mean, I love the Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, I don't know if you watched that one, the Dunkin' Donuts uh, commercial with Ben Affleck and, and Tom Brady and all that. It was hilarious. And that is the creativity aspect, but it did drive attention and eyeballs and 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 brand awareness for Dunkin' Donuts, right? And that's the same thing. You have to have that balance. But I think a lot of marketers make a ton of mistakes on focusing on the creative. Hi, welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. With me today, Ted Lau. Welcome, Ted from Ballistic Arts. Hello, sir. Uh, can you give the listeners here a little bit of a heads up about kind of what Ballistic Arts is and how you got there and what you're doing? Yeah, man. So thanks for having me on your show, Brian, and lovely to to meet you again. And uh, yeah, so Ballistic Arts, my company, I started it in the room above my parents' garage ooh, 22 years ago. Uh, and kind of at the time, we were a video production company and then got into graphic design, got into web development. And these days, in the last five to six years, We've gone into lead generation for B2B companies, but it's lead generation, not buying spam lists and carpet bombing email lists. It's really taking really good content. So the content creation skills that we've had, video, graphics, and web, and marrying it with really good data and targeting really precise audiences. And so most of our clients are B2B mid-market companies in manufacturing, in distribution, or professional service firms that are struggling, trying to get a return on their marketing uh, and they haven't been able to do that or maybe they've had people in-house and they're not seeing the results or maybe they're just concerned that they're not getting enough guidance on how to actually generate a return for their leads to help their business grow. So that's basically us in a nutshell. So you said you started in the production space. So I want to yes, hear sir. a little bit more about the evolution there from kind of where you were to where you are now. That's um a lot of the listeners that we have, at least in theory, uh, are the marketing folks and uh, coming to terms with the lessons that you came up with in the production space, I think is going to be valuable to them uh, that are listening. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'd love to do that. I, <laughs> 22 years, we got only a limit of time to talk about all the lessons I've learned. But I mean, I've learned a ton of lessons. I started, like I said, the business back in, well, I guess now, 02. And it was back in the day of VHS and DVDs. Like we were making, we were trying to make a go of the, you know, trying to maybe break into film, do corporate video. We didn't really know. I just, right. I had a passion for doing video production. I actually, so I'm in Vancouver, Canada and Vancouver is deemed Hollywood North. And I wanted to get into the film industry, but 9-11 had just kind of happened. And all of my friends that were actually in the film industry all didn't have jobs. So then all of a sudden, well, I can't get a job if my buddies don't have jobs. I have been in the industry for a while. So I started China just building that on my own. But, you know, DVDs were $15 a pop at the time. They were still VHS. You had to like duplicate VHS tapes. Clients would be like, oh, I got this corporate video. I got to do this video. And then you, you got to duplicate it. They got to wheel out the like AV machine, right? With the TV and the VCR. Uh, VCR for you kids listening is a is is a is a machine that you would stick this tape in. It would play, you know, for like 30, 40 minutes kind of thing. Up to 60 minutes if or six six hours if you had it on extended play setting. But either way, we would have to do this. The problem is that video now today is very prevalent, but back in 2002, it was kind of a luxury. It was, if you had a lot of extra funds, then you could do video production for your company. And so 
being in my early, I was 21, 22 at the time when I started, I'd be cold calling clients and like, hey, do you need a video? Do you need this? And most people are like, I don't even have a TV in my place of business, let alone needing a video. So no, I don't need that. But that's where the first lesson came in because, okay, you don't need a video, but, and then they'd be like, well, we noticed that your, your brochure is pretty nice. Can you, can you design me a brochure for, for my business? And I'm thinking in my head, like I'm a video production company, but after like six months of getting no's, we don't want to do a video. And then having someone going, can you design it? I'm like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we can do that. Yeah. Oh, how much would it be? And I had to, I remember quoting people on the spot, like really quickly in my head, how much do I want to get paid per hour? How many hours do I think it's going to do? And it always kind of, at least at first was like a thousand dollars. Right. And, and yeah, yeah. I did not know that at the time that was actually a very, very cost-effective thing. And so people were like, Oh, a thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll hire you. And so, you know, I'd come back to the office, which was again, the room above my parents' garage. I had a business partner at the time. And be like, I didn't, I didn't sell a video today, but I, I sold the brochure. We need to, we need to design a brochure now. And so, so and we had, that. and we had to learn. So we knew how to design things, but you know, we had to learn how to do crop marks, what bleed is CMYK to RGB, like all this kind of, or for RGB to CMYK, all this kind of stuff, colors and uh, color correction, all that kind of stuff. And, but we learned and we did it on time and on budget, which was the most important thing that I realized. Another lesson is that doesn't matter how great your creative is, how great of an artist you might be, but your marketing to businesses. At the end of the day, businesses have deadlines that they have to meet. They need this brochure for a particular event. So you got to actually be able to hit it and don't go over budget because that that will basically burn a lot of bridges. So we are always on time and on budget. And then, oh, hey, uh, now that we're trusted, oh, this uh, web thing, uh, this thing called the interweb is, it doesn't seem to be going away. It, it, do you think it's, it, it is something I should do? What do you mean? Like, should you, could I, should I build a website? And I'll be like, yeah, you should totally build a website. Can you build me a website? And, uh, and again, we're a video production company that happens to do some graphic design on the side. And it was like, yeah, of course we'll build you a website. And then again, like how much a uh, thousand bucks, I didn't even know how to program a website at the time, but my former business partner had actually built uh, our website, you know, he used to learn, he learned HTML back in the nineties for extra beer money or whatever it was. I don't know, but he ended up, uh, all right, we're, we're building websites. So I knew how to design the website, but I didn't know how to program. So he had to teach me the program. It was all like hard code HTML. And it was really the lesson is get in where you fit in, especially when, you know, I didn't have a lot of options and that's the beauty of it, right? Not a lot of options. You figure it out, just be versatile and take what the market gives you. And then after a while, when you're building a lot of track record, a lot of clientele, then you could be a little bit more picky choosy. But at the beginning, it was like, I'll do whatever you think you, I, you, you'd pay me to do, you know, and I'm going to yeah. do it. It's that, uh, that line from Ghostbusters. It's one of the best lines in the whole film. If there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say. <laughs> <laughs> basically right and and it wasn't even steady paychecks it was like one-off yeah, projects yeah. for a long time but it it was fun it was it was thrilling it was new and at the end of the day it still provided us a creative outlet at the end of the day that's the kind of personality that i realized that i was i needed to be creative and so i was able to and visually creative at that so Okay, maybe couldn't do video and I love the video storytelling, but you can do, you can be creative with graphics. You can be creative with websites. And so that's, 
that's what we did. And we started one, surely one brick at a time, kind of building the agency, starting to hire staff and, you know, learning about all those, all those hurdles as well. So, but, but here you are now, you know, you've been successful, you've got the marketing agency, you've, you can move past that, um, that so hungry, it hurts kind of model. And now you're into the, into the space where, you know, is there still room for art or is it now all business all the time? There's no, no more of that creative expression stuff. Oh, I mean, there's always room for art. There's always room for creativity. However, creativity can come in many forms. And that was a struggle that I did personally deal with for probably a good part of a decade. I remember we got to a point where we had, I don't know, two or three staff, maybe even three, four staff at the time. And I had hired a sales coach. I remember hiring a sales coach because I knew how to sell enough to obviously have like two or three staff, but it wasn't consistent. It was a lot of like sell, 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 got to do the work. And then no sales opportunities. And then like, oh, no sales opportunities, no, sales, 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 sales. This roller coaster of cash flow. And, and but you know, in your early 20, early mid 20s, whatever, right? Like, uh, go without, a, you know, a check for a month. Okay, but I made a big check the month before. So it kind of evened out. But as we started having overhead, the consistent cash flow, consistent income was was very important. So what I learned was I had to do sales. But when I'm doing sales, I have to be in front of the client, customer, prospective customers, the leads, nine to five, Monday to Friday. So when am I actually going to do the creative? So I had to like figure out, I had to do like the creative early in the morning till nine o'clock, then go meet clients and then five o'clock. And then I'm, I'm, I'm doing the work. So I'm like 12, 15 hour days. And my coach basically said like, Ted, eventually, if you're going to scale, you can't, you have to give one of these things up. You cannot do the creative and then also do the sales. Like either you're going to have to hire a salesperson or you're going to have to hire more, right. more artists. And I didn't listen. So I wrote that, you know, one, one leg on each boat for, for years until it was just like, okay, this is too much. And I slowly realized that, Hey, I can do sales much better than most. And it's much more difficult to hire consistent sales folks. And salespeople are not inherently creative, nor do they speak the, you know, the like painting the story and like the aspiration, right. which creative is about. Whereas I had a, you know, I had the experience on the creative. So I was able to do that. Most regular salespeople were not. And then, uh, so I kind of started giving up the, the creative, having, hiring more, you know, artists, graphic designers, web designers, all that kind of stuff. But to answer your question about today, for myself personally, the creativity comes not necessarily from hands-on keyboard making the the visuals, but it's inspiring folks. How can I be a better leader? What creative ways can I get people together to build really good team and all that kind of stuff? And it's really fun. That leadership part of it, you can be very creative doing fun things uh, for, for your team. Like we did um, for our 20th anniversary at Ballistic Arts. We hired a Top Chef winner, you know, the show Top Chef, so that we hired the, I think he was like the 2017 or 2018 winner, and he took us out 
in the middle of nowhere. I live in Vancouver, Canada, as I said, in the middle of nowhere in British Columbia, where there's a bunch of forest fires the year before. And we went out to like all these burnt tree forest stuff to pick morel mushrooms. We did a team building thing, picking morel mushrooms. And then he parked us along a creek in the middle of nowhere. And he cooked us a seven course meal along a creek, right? It was, and that is something that, you know, you can still be creative. You can find really cool things that like people remember for the rest of their lives. Like, oh, my work took us here with a chef and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of stuff, you can be creative. Now, in terms of the business, like ballistic arts, are we creative? I mean, I would invite any of your listeners, uh, viewers to come to our website, ballisticarts.com. We have a ton of creativity and creativity, visuals, all that is still the crux of our business. Sure, we do lead generation, but we need really good, compelling story, great visuals, good video, all that kind of stuff to actually attract people so that we can speak the lingo. It's it's like all advertising, right? The the We just had the Super Bowl, right? And I mean, I love the Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, I don't know if you watched that one, the Dunkin' Donuts uh, commercial with Ben Affleck and, and Tom Brady and all that. Uh, it was hilarious. And and that is the creativity aspect, but it did drive attention and eyeballs and 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 brand awareness for Dunkin' Donuts, right? And that's the same thing. You have to have that balance. But I think a lot of marketers make a ton of mistakes on focusing on the creative, it's my art, and da-da-da, and not really understanding the business side of things. That the fact that the, the matter is, at the end of the day, we are doing all this so that we can drive a behavior, drive an action, and then dollars in the bank. It, it, I know it sounds gross to talk about it like that, but that's really the nature of the business world. So, you, you know, it's interesting because I think there's, there's definitely a formulaic component, right? There's always got to be like, oh, I need to, first I need to capture attention. Then I need to inspire, you know, them to stay, stay there. And then I need to, you know, drive this behavior, that behavior on and on and on away through the purchase. And I think that's, um, it's, the formula there, uh, it's hard sometimes to see the magic that goes into the formula because you can see each step in the process. You go, oh, well, that's just step two. And you go, ah, well, you know, maybe we should put them in giant dance uniforms or whatever that really um, makes that creative sort of avenue appear. Um, that blend of that must be difficult, though, when you talk about managing a team. So as you scaled up, how did you like, how do you deliver repeatable, consistent results? And at the same time, keep that creativity sort of there and present in the work? Well, that's a, that's a very big question. I would think that you want, I could, I, I was smaller ones. No, 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 it's fine. It's a <laughs> good question. I just, I, I'm going to try to see if I can, I'm going to probably have to answer in a couple parts, but the first thing is. I was actually talking to one of my team members and he he was talking about like, you know, team management. He's one of my my leaders in my my team and how do I, how how does he going to learn to lead and I and and I said, "Look, at the end of the day, we need to hire people and we bring on people that are smarter than ourselves." And that was a that was the number one thing. That was probably back in 05 that I learned that lesson. I was one of my my key clients, one of the most powerful folks in Canada at the time. He's a financial dude uh, working uh, he has as the CEO of a, a large credit union here in, in Canada. And I just, for whatever reason, he took to me and all of his side projects, I would I would be the videographer for his side projects. And I'd be in his, I'm in my early 20s. I'd be in his office, boardroom table, all that kind of stuff and filming him all the time and coming up with really creative ideas for him to, you know, creative for a banker anyway. 
ideas. And I got an opportunity to pick his brain all the time. I'm just like, hey, how did you get to here? What did you do this? How do you manage all the staff, all these people? And he was like, look, at the end of the day, you got to hire people that are smarter than you. I remember thinking, that doesn't sound good. Like, why would someone smarter than me, right? Why would someone smarter than me want to work for, for this guy, right? And he said, look, one, smart people don't necessarily want to run a business. Business is very risky, right? You can go without. You could lose a lot if you don't run it right. Most people do not like the risk part of it. Entrepreneurs, we're a little wild, right? And we don't we like to play with fire a little bit sometimes. Most people, especially smart people, probably don't want to do that. And you're yeah. also, that's one. And two, you're also not hiring people that are smarter than you in every way, right? So I have my web team, my web programmers, right? They're all way smarter than me when it comes to web programming, but they're not when it comes to, I don't know, team management, cash flow, finance, sales, leadership, right? They don't necessarily have those skills, but they are like, but I'm not hiring them for that. I'm hiring for them for this. So understanding what my organizational chart would be like, okay, I remember another thing is that when I was three people, four people in the company, my, one of my coaches was like, okay, if you want to grow, you you can't just hire people. You have to like create in your mind, visualize the, the size of your company and who's doing what. Right. And I'm like, I don't, what? And so I had to actually draw out a, a thing. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to get there? He's like, well, yeah. right now you're wearing four of five of these hats and everyone, it's okay. But eventually when you grow, you're going to take one of those hats off and hire someone. Once you have more, a bit more money and you save up, you can take off a hat and hire that person. And so hiring those people, building a really good team and with the ethos of like the, this is where the company's going, right? People... If you if you have like a this is why mission statements are so important and if, so long as you have a really good mission statement not a garbage like you know filler mission statement people come to small businesses because they believe in the mission the vision of where the company is going they believe in you as the leader and we have a culture where they can call us out as leaders on if we're kind of like telling them not to do something when they're like well but that's that's what the mission is like the mission I thought we agreed that the mission is this. And so if, so long as that's the case, when you're talking about like, how do you do the creative and make sure that that doesn't get stifled is I have creative people, I have lead designers and whatnot, where I don't tell them to do their job, right? It's like, hey, go all out, be your best, do the best that you can and take input from, and this is, I think, one thing that Ballistic in the last five, six years have been very successful in is the data is going to inform you on the creative, the data meaning you did five or six different designs. We're going to A-B test or multivariant test a bunch of these things. Mm -hmm. And we're going to say like, hey, this one that is, I don't know, fuchsia is the one that is the, the, the most attractive for whatever reason, right? We have the data. So then do more of that. Just because you have to park your ego too. Like you have to remind a lot of creative people. Like you might not like the fuchsia one. You might like the velvety green one. I don't know, right? But at the end of the day, the data is telling you this. You got a job to do. Another thing that one of my video directors would tell his creative team is that, look, at the end of the day, if you want to be an artist, you can do that on the side, but we're here for a job to get paid. And so we have a mission. We're going to go do that. And yeah, like a lot of them do creative stuff as side hustles, but they know that at the end of the day, they still have to 
pay their bills. And everything that we do is also results driven. We promise to our clients, we're going to hit a particular metric for them. It's usually a lead target metric, like how many qualified leads they need a month. And then so long as we hit it, I mean, we, we pay a decent salary for all of our team members. However, every single one of them have a bonus attached, a very generous bonus incentive that if they hit client goals, then they're going to hit that their that incentive. And as much as you might be a creative and artist and all that kind of stuff, cost of living is not inexpensive these days. So you are incentivized to make a little bit more so that you can, you know, pay for this or pay for that or go on that vacation. And so yeah. I think having a lot of little things really kind of make it work. I don't know. I said a bunch of stuff. Hopefully you can decipher some of that. No, I think it's it's um it's interesting because the the challenges of the business, particularly when a lot of folks try and engage with agencies that have a strong creative focus, um, consumers, you know, B two B consumers don't really even know how to buy it. They're like, uh, yeah, we think we want this, and it you really have to interface through folks that have like a strong marketing background or a strong BD background to understand like, okay, so we're buying we're not buying the Dunkin' Donuts ad for your local law firm like that's not a good fit and it's not gonna work right we're buying that for a certain kind of vibe a certain kind of thing that brand uh and and uh, marketing interaction that comes out i think starts to be really uh really interesting as you've kind of started to figure this out for for yourselves um are you doing the same work for your own brand to grow mm. So yeah. are you, you, you dog fooding your own stuff? Yeah, we drink our own Kool-Aid. So we have our own program that we set. And in fact, uh, it's kind of a rite of passage at Ballistic Arts. If you're the, you know, you, you come and, and work here, you're like, I'm, I, they treat me as a client. So there's an actual, you know, a file, an account for Ballistic Arts and I'm the client and then they got to deal with me. And, and there's a ongoing, I don't even know if it's a joke, but that, oh, Ted's the, the toughest client that we have. So, so, so if you can, if you make Ted happy and you can hit the results, then, then we're good. Now, the problem still lies in the fact that it's the whole cobbler's children has no shoes scenario. Like we are very committed to doing our program. And then, oh, we landed this huge ass client. Like this literally happened in the fall. Like we were, you know, on track doing our stuff. And then we landed our largest contract I think in five, six years, maybe even the history of the company and it's all hands on deck. Right. So it's like, well, uh, sorry, dad, we can't work on your stuff right now. It's a, a little bit like that, Yeah, yeah. which is a good problem to have. And that means my sales team has to, you know, hustle their butt a lot more to actually, you know, go and go and hunt, which is fine. So long as we have a, a solid sales team, we have our own sales process yeah, that's fine. The leads that come in are gravy. And in fact, it's really so that we can say, yes, we drink our own Kool-Aid and not just go, yeah, you should do this. And, and we don't employ it ourselves. We do employ it. It does hit our results. Uh, actually, that largest client that I was just telling you about that we got in um, Q4 came through our digital marketing efforts. I I still haven't met this client. I don't know. I don't know what they look like. I don't know what they sound like. I I I think I know their names. I don't know their last names. You know, like so, but like, I have a we'll, team. We'll right? air this in some arbitrary period of time later. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. But I think I think that's the the thing 
that us small business owners, there's a myth there that we have to know every single thing that's going on. Do you think Tim Cook knows every little like thing that's happening at you know the at the Apple store in I don't know Birmingham, Alabama? I don't know if there's an actual in Birmingham, but yeah. you know, like I don't think he does, right? He he's looking at the high level and you have you have processes and and culture and programs that kind of trickle down and and make the whole ship work. He would go crazy if he had like, yeah, I don't know how many Apple employees there are, but like I'm assuming hundreds of thousands of people. And you're just not gonna, you're not gonna be able to control all that. And so with with small, like as a small business owner, I was talking to a, a business broker who says, you know, your business valuation grows exponentially if the owner doesn't know all the customers by first name. And the reason why is that means when you sell the company and you remove the owner, the company will still function. And so for myself, it's actually a rite of passage, as it were, that a good chunk of my clients I've never met. And and that's that's a new phenomenon for me personally. It was it was only until I don't know, sometime last year where I was like, oh. And it's again hiring good coaches, having good network, people that are informing you on stuff, because I don't know everything. I was born in the suburbs of Vancouver. I I don't know. Right. And so it's just learning as you go. And that's the beauty of running your own show is that you're always learning. And if you're someone that likes to learn and has an insatiable thirst and appetite for learning, I mean, running your own show is awesome. So what's next for ballistic arts? I mean, you've, you've got to, to where you are, you've had, um, these, these major milestones and, you know, I appreciate them and I understand kind of, uh, what they are, where they're coming from. What's the, what's the next milestone that you anticipate? I mean, you've got to be looking at it, uh, you know, uh, now. As mm. like, where do I got to pivot? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few things. Uh, there's a book called Traction written by a gentleman by the name of Gino Wickman. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably your viewers will have heard of this book and they are a proponent. It's actually really a, a book brochure for Gino Wickman's program, EOS, Entrepreneur's Operating System. And we we run that at Ballistic. There is a document that you call the Vision Traction Organizer, or short is VTO, and you lay out your 10-year goal, your three-year goal, your one-year goal, and all those kinds of things. I have my VTO. I'm not going to read everything. However, for us, there are a few milestones right now that we're looking at. We want to uh, 10x where we are in the next 10 years as a business, and the 10-year goal for the VTO is kind of a always in the horizon you're probably never going to reach it and because every every year you're going to set out the 10 year again right so uh last year's 10x and this year's 10x is different because we grew you know from 12 months ago so that is there for myself personally you can see this this background that you can see this is this is created because uh as a part of our 3 year goal last year my team we have a goal that you know Ted is going to be out leadership is going to be out of the day-to-day, you know, only doing stuff that they want. And last year I was really working four days a week. Every Friday I was kind of taking time off. However, because I love being in my business, I ended up finding stuff to do for myself. And my staff were like, oh my God, like you're supposed to take time off. And and so they're they're trying to find me stuff. And so like, you know what? You go on like so I have uh Marketing News Canada. I'm one of the co-hosts there. Uh I I guest on several podcasts like yourselves, your your own podcast here. And they're like, well, maybe you 
you should create one for ballistic, right? And I'm like, oh man, like, do I, I don't, I don't know if I want to do a, a podcast just because now I got to go find gas and this and this. But then I was thinking, you know, I, I actually mentor. I have the, the, the privilege of mentoring eight different entrepreneurs right now. Actually, five through a coaching program, so they're kind of like a group uh, mentoring, and then three kind of individually on a one-to-one basis, on a monthly basis, and. What I love about mentoring, because I've been doing this for so long, is that they're going to they ask me questions that I'm like, I haven't thought about this problem in like 15, 16 years. Like I, I like, and it kind of brings me back, like, oh my God, I remember having that problem. And and then telling them, sharing the experience of like what I did to either solve the problem or fall on my face and then learn from it. Right. And and that's what I kind of wanted to do at scale. So I created this this thing, this background. So I'm creating, I've created, I've launched, but soft launched my YouTube channel, You Know Ted. Uh, and so you could go on YouTube at You Know Ted Lau, I think is the actual address. And I, I'm, it's not great right now. I think there's like 20 subscribers, half of them I'm pretty sure are my staff. And, and it's me talking about my war stories, business scars, learning around what I've learned and how I've made a really, you know, I'm not Elon Musk living the billionaire life, but I have a pretty freaking good, right? And so how did I get there? It's a lifestyle business, but it's a lot of fun and it's great, but there's a lot of mistakes. So I'm kind of just talking about that. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. And it's a lot of freaking work. We also want to try to uh, increase our our business by like 50 to 100% this year. And so I got, we got to do that. We're hiring a bunch of people. And then um, I'm now for the first time, like bringing on coaches for other staff members. Uh, mm-hmm. Because before I just, you know, kind of greedy, you know, pay for my coaching. But then I realized, hey, coaching really works. Maybe I need to, you know, and now I have staff that are open to being coached, looking for that and continuous improvement being one of the core values at Ballistic Arts. It's re- It really works. Now you got to have the cash flow to do it. But our business is stable enough that we have the cash flow to do it. And so I'm doing this stuff for, you know, Ted, the kind of weekends and evenings. And it's, it's, um, I'm not a young man anymore. So it's, uh, it's a little tiring, I got to say, Brian. Yeah, I can imagine. I love the fact that you're constantly kind of pushing uh, the edges of this, um, uh, what it means to learn and grow and, you know, pulling yourself forward. That's, that is a uh, that is an aspirational place. I think a lot of folks are looking to get to. Uh, that that you know, it seems like you've got a lot of the bright pieces in place that are working. So uh, the the things that I want to ask you now, as we start to wrap here, are uh, first things first. Um, you know, who should reach out to you, Ted? How can they find out more information? Uh, you gave me you gave me a YouTube uh, address. Is that where you want folks to go or is it somewhere? Yeah, well, lots of places you can go. So yeah, the YouTube channel, you, you look up, you know, Ted, I don't know if you can even see it right now, but like at, at, you know, Ted, Ted Lau, I think on YouTube is, is where you would find me. You can also find me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of Ted Lau's out there, but there's only one guy that kind of looks like this and kind of silly. So uh, you're going to be able to find me there. Uh, BallisticArts.com is a place where if you're looking to have your company grow. If you're a B2B company, you're maybe a director of marketing, an owner, a CMO, uh, on the executive, feeling like you're established B2B company. It's it's done fine, but it hasn't, it's continued to hit the ceiling. You're not growing. Talk to us. I mean, we can definitely help give you some pointers on on where to go. 
And yeah, I think those are probably the the best places to reach me right now. And I'd be happy to chat with anybody. And if they ever have any questions, comments, let me know. Awesome. And um, normally we close with like telling your big three biggest lessons you learned. But uh, since this entire episode has been about that, um, yeah. I think I think you can pick them up for yourselves, guys. Um, in this case, though, I do want to, you know, kind of do the whole like, let's let's have a cool stick the landing kind of close. Oh, oh no. Um, I sure. So so can we try like what did you pick up in the last six months? that you're kind of working on or figuring out right now? What's the challenge of the moment for Ted? Yeah, the challenge of the moment is launching this channel. The channel is all is 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 not easy. I mean, it's I I you know, editing was my baby. Like I loved video editing. And so now you know it's downloaded Adobe for the first time. I haven't had Adobe on my like my system for like <laughs> how old's my daughter? She's 14. And I edit the last thing I did was I edited my cousin's wedding video as a favor for him in his first marriage. And my daughter was three. So my daughter's 14 now. So it was 11 years ago that I had not touched Adobe. Wow. And I downloaded it because I'm, you know, cutting. So, but it's the the time management about that, learning how to actually create a channel from scratch and actually providing value. And I'm learning because I'm watching myself do a lot of this video stuff. I'm learning how to speak a little bit more eloquently without a lot of ums and ahs and actually having those pregnant pauses, as it were, so that I can think about what I'm saying and not just rambling, which I think I did a bit today. But, you know, hey, life's a lesson. Life life is learning. You know, I tell this to everybody that ever wants to come and start a podcast. And it's like, look, just start. Just start because you need to go through the learning process. You're going to look back on this in two years and go, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. But uh, but start. And and the learning you're going through is super typical and awesome. You're, you'll come to find that it is the most fertile time in the amount you get to learn and the amount that you get to improve. Um Later on, you'll make much more subtle changes and uh, they'll have big impacts, but they won't feel as uh, significant. Well, I think also I'm, I'm blessed with having a good team. You know, yeah. we are, we do, we are marketers. So, and, and one of our core values at Ballistic Arts is radical candor. So if you read the book, Radical Candor, it talks about how to challenge directly while caring personally. And that's what we do at Ballistic Arts, meaning, you know, I'm an account manager on this file. I have my, you know, director, uh, mark, marketing manager, the, the guy kind of in charge of, of the department. And they're telling me like, uh, so this video, this is how you could have improved on that. <laughs> this is what you should have said. Or this, you know, hey, the reason why this is not, this is getting like no views is like your headlines, you know, garbage or it's not, they don't say garbage. It's actually very nice about it. But like, you know, it's not, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not hitting work or whatever. All that kind of stuff. And, and so I'm blessed with that because without a, without that, I'm kind of lost. I'm like, I don't know. Like it looks kind of similar to the thumbnails that I see on YouTube already. Why am I? But, you know, like, uh, you know, Mr. Beast, I I watch a bit of him. Uh, and initially I was watching him just because, you know, he has the, I think the most followers on YouTube. I was watching it as a learning, but then I'm kind of, you know, it's entertaining. But he says, you know, your first hundred videos are going to be garbage. Like it's just flat. You're going to get zero views. And so that's kind of how I prepared myself that I'm, our goal was actually for me to start this in 26. 
it is the beginning of 24. So my thought was to start it early is one, I'm out of my staff's hair on Fridays. And two, I can practice and be good at it so that by 26, maybe it will actually stand a chance of having real subscribers, you know? Yeah. Mark your calendars, folks. You yes, sir. First. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ted, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Brian. I'd love to have you back. Uh, and Absolutely. More, particularly when you get closer and closer to that 26th timeline. Yes, sir. Well, I, I thank you very much for, for having me on your show. It was a pleasure to kind of just share my experiences. And if anyone has any questions, please reach out. Thank you. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet, or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.